0: Okay. So I go Where's your hay bale? 1, the huh? Where's you all your conca pies?
1: Are you wearing giggle panties? Shh. Shh. Huh? See fucking 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 come on, show
2: us your panties. Show no, us your panties, it's Betty. Oh God, I hate fucking folk music.
3: Hey, okay, I fucking hate folk music. If you're wondering what kind of panties
4: we're wearing, they're white, orange, and a tad spoiled. This is Spoilers! buddy. This is Stevie. You're recording a very special episode. This is a Patreon request. Um, pa- Pap, are we allowed to say last names? Uh, We'll just call him Matt. I think that's fine. Patreon request from Matt, and he wanted to cover the 2013, in his words, Coen Brothers classic, Inside Lewin Davis. He said, I decided to watch this movie a couple of months ago and fell in love with it. I watched it like five times since, making various friends watch it with me. Now I get to make you guys watch it. And he has an awesome opening question. So let's go from Isis to Wesus, and his opening question is, what's your best or worst road trip experience?
5: Ooh.
6: Where are you starting? Brett, it's you. Ah, it's always me. Uh (laughs) Well, I can't really talk about my best one. Um, oh, that yeah. sounds like the exact one you should that talk about. That sounds like about. the one you should be talking about. <laughs> Give us hints. This is a Patreon request, Brett. No, just remind me and I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> um, so I guess my wife and I on our honeymoon, we got off of a cruise. Um, we had to get up at like 6 to debord. Oh, this is Brett from Fort Wayne. And 6 in the morning and then we got out Uh, We went to our aunt's house and then we drove around kind of killing time until our flight was at 6 o'clock and we got there at 5.20 which is much later than we wanted to but we got all the way up to the front and they said that we had just missed they wouldn't take they wouldn't take our baggage Um, we missed it by like two minutes so Brittany had to work like the next day Uh, so we even though we'd been up for 12 hours We rented a car and drove from Tampa to Fort Wayne. Oh, jeez. Without stopping. Uh, It was uh, a very, very long day. I mean, I know people make that drive, but uh, add on another 12 hours. (laughs) It was just exhausting. I mean, we had a fun trip, but uh, driving through the mountains at night and. Is that a best or worst? Worst. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, worst. Definitely worst. (laughs) That was awesome, bro.
4: Who is at fault for the missing of this flight?
6: We both were we were we are it was travel Brett. Brett novices. Was yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh travel novices and we just uh, we just took our time way too much. <laughs> and uh learned a valuable lesson and uh hopefully that will never happen again.
2: How close were you? Were you like the doors closed right in front of you? No, it kind wasn't like that.
6: Style? It was it was like we were waiting in the line to check our baggage and they were like you, we, uh, we can only check baggage up till 45 minutes before the flight. And we're like, that was two minutes ago. They're like, we're really sorry. So, like, no, they didn't shut the door in our face. They wouldn't even take our baggage. So we could have left our bags there, which actually, if you know, is like a federal crime. Um, <laughs> so we were kind of just stuck. So we got a sweet Dodge Charger and we drove that home. Did you get uh,
4: reimbursed for your tickets at least?
6: No. Oof. Yeah, that does. That is work. rough. Yeah. Yep, yeah, but, uh, you know, experience. Live and you learn. You've got to live and learn. Go. Go. go.
1: Uh, am I next? My next thesis? Yeah,
4: Mikey, hit us up.
1: Uh, well, I mean, just in general, anytime the worst road trip you have is usually when you're stuck on the highway and you've got to take a big dump. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't know when that's going to happen. So just any time you're always racing to the next pit stop is the worst uh, road trip in my experience.
2: Just let it go, man. Just let it go. (laughs) Mikey lives his life a quarter mile to poop at a time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, he sounds like Peter from Office Space. And my next poop is the worst poop I'll ever have.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I think every gas station poop is the worst poop ever.
1: Yeah, dude, it's the worst experience. It's never... Oh, wow, this is like a NASA spaceship bathroom. No, it's always... (laughs) Always
6: disgusting. Yeah.
3: There's a pretty gross one in this movie, too, but this is Josh from Goshen. Um, My freshman year of college, me and some friends went to Myrtle Beach, and one night, there was like this kind of... um, I don't know, some sort of like Mardi Gras sort of party a couple hours away in a Georgian city. Well, these North Georgian Garden City police had a checkpoint, and honestly, the only thing we we were 19, and the only like shenanigans we got up to were we managed to get one Guinness and split it between (gasps) the four of us. (laughs) But these cops shook us down like crazy and were like threatening us. And it was pretty terrible, like a fun story in hindsight, because like eventually we didn't have anything and they did let us go and whatever, but it was scary. It'll put the fear of God in you for sure to be in the middle of nowhere, like 800 miles from your home state and just have these like, the big thing they kept saying was like, if we find one leaf a pot, you won't even see a judge for seven days. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was pretty Sounds crazy. Like those cops were from Turd-Toll Beach. Am I
6: right? <clears throat> oh, no, Brett. Brett. <laughs> 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 Next <laughs>
2: one. Next one is it, man. I'm telling you. Keep throwing baloney at the wall, Brett. One of those is going to stick. See, to be clear, Josh, you did not even have one leaf of Hobbit's weed with you in the car. <laughs>
3: Old Toby? No, we're clean. <laughs> we were not riding dirty at all. <laughs>
2: uh, well, this is Pappy, recording from Louisville, Colorado, where I frequently ride dirty. Um, <laughs> Stevie, I, we had a pretty duality of road trips. One good, one pretty bad when we drove to South Carolina to watch Notre Dame was amazing. Uh, play Clemson. like w- w- Driving down, full of life, full of spirit, having such a good time. Yeah. Piss and vigor, singing songs in the car, get way, way too drunk at the game, end up like being in a hurricane. We're in like the shittiest hotel room of all r- time. Don't get a good night's sleep. We lost each other after the game. No voices. They have to drive back from <laughs> South Carolina, out hundreds of dollars of tickets, of alcohol, of a shitty hotel room, of a $300 Uber that we took to get from the stadium to. <laughs> our place and then just I remember like barely being able to like see the lines in the road just being so <laughs> sick and like shitty and <laughs> so yeah a good and a bad in one in one trip where was the good? The driving the downs, down, driving the sound, down songs. Like, through yeah. a hurricane
4: like you're all pumped up you know i never been to the stadium before and you know watching the game through a hurricane was pretty awesome until Brian Kelly said hey let's go for two and there's tons of time left, and it cost them the game.
3: I too saw an in person hurricane game for the Irish, <laughs> and they lost that against NC State. State. Yeah, so was there being a videographer. Yeah, it was a bad one. They were bad. There were just so
2: many decisions to reflect on on the drive home like the amount of alcohol we had drank, <laughs> getting separated, the, <laughs> the amount get, of money we had spent. The getting spent. <laughs>
4: separated was the worst part because I had to go to the Clemson police station with no voice nearly blackout drunk saying, and my phone is dead. Where's my
6: Pappy? And so,
4: <laughs> so I'm, ask, I'm asking this police officer, like, I need to use your phone. And she would not let me have it. So I'm there for like 20 minutes arguing with her, probably slurring my words way more than it should have been. And I just remember Pappy, Pap, what did you say? I think you said basketball. And so I just asked the lady, which way is the basketball arena? And she pointed, and Pappy and I literally found each other because we were screaming each other's names in the middle of a <laughs> tropical storm, and like <laughs> that's how we found one another. It was a blast.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I thought
4: you didn't have any voice screaming what we could, Brett.
2: It was losing. It was I, just fading poked, quickly. I just poked holes in your story <laughs> Well, there's also you have to factor in the amount of alcohol Yeah, these true. are alcohol <laughs> visions, shades, shadows on a cave of what happened
0: that Very day. shadows on <laughs> <in> a cave
5: <laughs> Alright, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes I don't have any really big road trip stories like that, but when I was uh, 17, right after, right out of high school me and my best friend at the time, uh, we took a road trip from where we lived, which was in San Diego County, up to uh, Seattle, Washington, because that's where we moved, like right out of high school that summer. We just put everything in his van and moved up there. And uh, it's just like one of those memories that I'll always have like with me, you know, like just moving out on my own for the first time, being really young. I wasn't even 18 yet, and we got our own apartment and stuff. But the trip was pretty fun. I remember we stopped in a... A place in, it was either in NorCal or in Oregon. The city was called Weed, and we just thought that was really funny because <laughs> we were young and stupid. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember playing Mortal Kombat in the arcade in Weed, and I uh, I fell in love with the girl that worked at McDonald's. So yeah, it was just a fun trip, you know, being young and like being out on our own. We we're super hyped the whole time, just really enjoying every minute of it. So that was a good time, man. How did things go with the girl from McDonald's? hey no. didn't work out oh
4: oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh this is Steve you recording from Elkhart um I was gonna say the Clemson one Pat but you just beat me to it so I'll say I don't know if it was worse but it just always makes me laugh uh I went down to uh it's called Watercolor Florida it's where they shot the uh, Truman show uh with my in-laws this is like back in 2014 I think had a great time We drove down there. We're going to drive back. And I remember my mother-in-law saying, I'll take first drive. I thought, huh, it's kind of weird. Maybe I should just do it. You know what? Whatever. So we leave at like six o'clock at night, maybe like, okay, like we'll be out of Florida, you know, relatively quick. It's one in the freaking morning and I wake up like days like, oh, we should be in Georgia. You know, how are we doing on time? We're still in Florida. My mother-in-law, I don't know how she did it. We're, like, in the back roads swamps of Florida, like, many an hours later of where we should have been. And if you know our watercolors, it's in the freaking panhandle. So it should not take that long to leave Florida. That was uh, definitely one of my favorites.
1: Yikes. True Detective Season 1. Yeah,
4: pretty much. Like, we were that close to Carcosa. Like... (laughs) Yeah, it was a wild, wild time, but let's talk about this movie. Pap, I brought this up to you earlier. Mm. I kind of want to know if you get the feeling of this movie. We talked about, you know, some directors feel like they've watched a lot of movies and some directors feel like they've read a lot of books. How does this movie kind of feel for you?
2: Between those two? Yeah, like, do you think... Like, well, this the, is your point. You should you should speak on it. I mean, you're the one who told me this, the books versus movies thing.
4: Yeah, I mean, it just... I don't know if you guys get this feeling. I almost feel like nothing cinematically exciting happens in this movie. Definitely. This movie just almost feels like, you know, a book, like, coming to life on screen. There's nothing... Like visually stunning to look at the colors are rather drab, which is kind of the mood of the movie, and also, like the way they use the camera is just very basic. Uh, did you get that feeling, Josh? You work in cameras a lot
5: uh, I
3: would say it's nothing stunning, but the one kind of trick that they do is there's a lot more like blurring on the edges, and yeah, maybe some even like desaturizing. And I think that's supposed to be kind of like Poe's point of view, right? Like, he's constantly in a state of oh. non-sobriety, <laughs> lacking sleep. Um, what
5: is this, Teletubbies? <laughs> Do you like the color
2: grading, Josh? Because I feel like we talked about it. Like this, I feel like this is almost like a spiritual sequel to A Brother Arthur, because it's like got the folk music and extreme color grading and kind of an Odyssey-like story. But I... <laughs> I don't know, I saw a lot of people saying that they like seriously hated the the look of the movie. The cat's name is Ulysses. Mm. get it,
0: oh brother, where art thou? How you doing, Big Dan? My name is Ulysses Everett McGill. It's my associate Don Donald. I detect like me, you're endowed with the gift of gab.
3: It is drab, but I didn't think it was like bad um there's some like shots in the hall. I still think they do a lot of interesting things. I'll just say that. And I don't want to get too deep in the woods, but some of them that come to mind are like the hallway, the hallways and everyone's like small apartments. I think it's drab colors, but I still think it's well done. It's very dreamy and very like
1: almost surreal looking. Uh, Everything's like, yeah, like Josh said, every, all the, all the edges are really blurred. Just looks very soft. And he's, like, high and drunk all the time, so it's like, yeah, this is probably what he sees all the time. <laughs> and probably pre-hypothermic. <laughs> pre-hypothermic. <laughs>
3: the only sleeps he, he gets are, like, ten minutes before a cop wakes him up on a bench or whatever.
2: Doesn't Deacons usually do the Cohen cinematography? He didn't do this one. Yeah, this is some guy named Bruno, some guy, a cinematographer named Bruno Del Bonnell he did Amelie, and he also did The Ballad of Bruster Scruggs, which is also kind of a similarly depressing Cohen
4: But those movie. movies are like
6: brightly colored for the most part. Yeah, Amelie's considered like one of the, I think it was number one on some list of like most beautifully shot uh, movies of like from of the 2000s. So that surprises me. It's so drab.
3: There's a scene with him and Carrie Mulligan in the park, and like she must have like some whitish makeup on, but she looks straight Black and white, like she has no color to her in this like image. It's pretty insane.
2: But I, I mean, Brett, you describe it as drab, but it like fits with the tone. Yeah, for sure. The movie, right? Yeah, it's not like it's out of place.
4: Brett, you have a strong disdain for arrogant people. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you find it hard to root for our main character, Mister. Ewan Davis
6: or Lewin Davis? He, I mean, yeah, because he's first of all, he's a huge douchebag. Uh, he, he consistently makes the wrong decision. But whenever he's in a scene with Carrie Mulligan or John Goodman, you're like, oh, he's pretty cool because they're like the freaking worst. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, that scene duh, with the whatever their name is and he flips out with her eating dinner and he's playing guitar, that is like brutal. What are you doing? What? What is that? What are you doing?
0: Well, it's Mike's
6: part. Don't do that.
0: It's Mike's part. I
6: know what it is. Don't do that. Oh, you
3: know what? This is bullshit.
6: I'm sorry. This is... I don't do this, okay? I do this for
2: a living. It's not a a fucking parlor game.
3: That's like the one time that it's almost like explained, I felt like, where... It, to me, mm-hmm. it was like he was lashing out because of the death of his friend very directly there. And even they understood that. So that one was forgivable for me, Brett, but there's some other things he does that's pretty terrible too.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I guess I, first of all, the picture you just, that is perfect. Like you said, it looks black and white. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, that's not the best case of him just being, but like it was, Brutally awkward for me. I can't, I mean, I have a hard time with that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these people have been pretty nice to you. You can at least humor them. Uh, but, you know, that's how he is. And she definitely overreacts.
3: <laughs> Stevie, do you think that's one of the best movie or one of the best scenes in the movie?
6: When he pretty
4: much just feels like that woman's like stealing like his, his, uh, his friend's voice almost his look
2: yeah. the look on his face when she starts to sing it's one of the funniest <laughs> shots because it's like a two shot cuz you can see her like getting into it like with the soul closing her eyes and he just like looks disgusted he just looks absolutely
4: <laughs> disgusted and he has a point though like it's a strange feeling cuz to me lewin Davis almost like like self-like grandizes himself all the time like he's almost thinks he's more important than he actually is in the musical world. But at the same time he created like him and his friend created something that like is not these people's. And I think a part of him almost feel like felt like, you know, he hasn't really dealt with the death of his friend that well. And it's almost like with her singing those words, it was almost like he was losing a memory
5: of his friend. So you're, I think you're right, Josh. It is one of the better scenes in this movie. You guys are reading into it, of course. Right. Cause I mean, what he says to them is he's like, I'm not a, Performing monkey basically. Right? Like basically he says that he's mad because he doesn't want to like do this. Like they're like, they just put a guitar in his lap, to, like, play us a fucking song. And he's like, I don't want to do this. And then he starts playing. She starts singing, and he's like, God damn it, this isn't what, like, what I do, man. Like, you can't just like put a guitar in my lap and tell me to sing in front of everyone. And uh I mean, aside from like the gore finds and maybe like Adam Driver, like everyone around him like sucks basically i think like people are really mean to him especially carrie mulligan um but he just seems to like blow up on the wrong people you know
4: do you think justin timberlake is mean to him
5: no i was, <laughs> I was talking to Brittany. like there's some nice people in this movie um
6: the gore Fiends are nice they're just a little uh patronizing and i know you didn't ask me i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead keep going brett Yeah, Jim Berkey. He's a nice guy. He isn't in it, and he's like a cuck. But you know,
2: (laughs) (laughs) unwittingly so.
6: Unwittingly, yeah, he doesn't really know what's going on. But he needs to get
1: with the program. I mean, well, I don't think he has a brain. He's very, I don't know. He seems really dumb. Everybody on at the Gaslight auditioning and playing (laughs) music just seems so odd to me.
3: One of my favorite characters is that way, Mikey. Troy Nelson. He's like that military guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, a man I, of comforts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Poe says something like, where's his higher functionality or something? like that. Yeah, he's like, is he
5: higher? Is he? Does he have higher functionality? <laughs> You've got reasons of
6: plenty for going
5: What do you think? Long.
6: What? Him. Long. Troy. Wonderful performer. Is he? Wonderful. Please don't go. See him? Higher function?
4: I think the meanest thing, like, I really think one of the cruelest things that um, Lewin says the entire movie is Do you have to go
2: plug in somewhere? Yeah. Well, it's so funny, too, because, like, you mentioned that he like lashes out at the wrong people. In, in Lewin's mind, he's like this you know, killing machine signed up to be a war. It's pretty clear that he got drafted. He's, he's way more interested in arts. He's basically a pacifist. He's got like that guy from, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. yeah. Movie that was like, he's like anti-violence <laughs> in the military. And then Lewin goes to like voluntarily, you know, like become a sailor in the merchant Marines, which is obviously different or whatever, but he's just such a, a hypocrite. Like this guy didn't have any choice in the matter. And he's just blowing up on him for no, for no reason other than jealousy.
5: Probably jealousy, but like also, uh, Lewin's cynicism to me is like really relatable, like just like being the asshole. Like, so I, to me, he's like, you know, I'm maybe more heroic than, uh, you nice folk, but like, I honestly, I fucking hated that military dude. I would hate to be around him. I would hate to talk to him. I would be the fuck out of there. He's as not soon a man of could.
1: comforts. I would be afraid that he's going to kill me. He is acting so bizarre. Like, he's acting like a serial killer. He's got like absolutely zero personality. Well,
3: how is he supposed to eat cereal? <laughs> I don't get that. He eats no, cereal. At, cereal at crunches dude. when you bite it and you he slurp slurps the milk
1: the milk so loudly. Lewin's just sitting there waiting That's for him rude. to like say
3: good morning,
5: and he's drinking his milk <laughs> like an asshole. <laughs> Mikey gets it. It's, it's just like I, I would be giving him that same look, dude. I think when he asks him, like, do you need to plug in somewhere? That's like putting it lightly, like basically saying, like, what the fuck is with you? Like, are you real? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>.
6: <laughs> what is your major malfunction? <laughs> he's pretty nice. I mean, like, he's got kind of a crappy ish life, too. He's grinding like everyone else. But he
5: he makes it. You know, yeah.
6: Nothing It's not bothering him. And thing, I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe it's that starving writer, starving musician type thing. Where that's how a lot of people are, that's why they're so cranky, but he maybe he is a little psychotic because he you know, he's the opposite. He everything he's like a duck, just water goes off his back and everything, so I don't know. I I thought he was nice and but he's weird.
2: Stevie, I kinda thought about it this way. Like you know how like the starving artists like Brett said is often romanticized? Um, yes, Yeah. This feels like the actual kind of person you would meet who's living that lifestyle, The actual right?
4: starving artist. Mm.
2: Kind of like wearing on all of their friends' nerves like the nth degree of thin, you know what I mean? Like bumming bumming every smoke they Professional smoke. Professional couch surfers. Yeah. Brie Francis Ha.
4: Yeah, I, um, I mean, I did like what they did with it, especially the fact that like Lewin always looks exhausted. And... I think a part, of, a lot of it, too, was not the fact that he didn't get sleep, but I think the anxiety of not knowing where like you're going to put your head for the night really weighs on Lewin. And it's something that I almost wish was kind of brought up in the movie more, which is like how much this is actually weighing me down, not knowing where I'm going to sleep.
2: Well, it's represented visually, though, right? Yeah. It's like he has the cat to carry around, and at some point he literally has all those records to carry around. Like he has more and more stuff, literally. Wearing him, wearing him down. His and seat. then,
3: as soon as he gets to set down his damn guitar, he gets pulled to a gig, and he doesn't yeah. have his guitar for it. And that's kind of how it goes for him. Outer space. <laughs> I have a gig. Do you think I'll need my guitar? I can't hear you because a train. I don't know if I'll need my guitar for my guitar gig. When you just take it anyway? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's your gig. And that's kind of like also.
1: The funny side of the movie is that he also has like the worst luck. Like with the train thing, like something is always happening to give him a disadvantage. It feels like in the movie. So, but it doesn't help that he's also an asshole.
5: Yeah, just like a small example of that point is you remember like when he has the cat and he doesn't know what to do and he calls like uh, the Gorfine guy. Uh, that's by the way, that's a Neelix from uh, Star Trek Voyager. Um, but he calls him and he says, "Can you just tell him that?" Lewin has the cat, and she's like, Lewin is the cat? <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of shit I have to deal with <laughs> at work, and it just fucking really grinds me, man. <laughs> like that that was like a perfect, like relatable thing. Like, no, like why would I say Lewin is the cat? That doesn't make any sense.
3: Except, Corey, did you maybe just stumble upon the whole premise of the movie?
5: Hmm. Mm-hmm? That Lewin is the cat?
3: Ooh. Oh,
5: you mean like there's a deeper meaning to that sentence? My god. Those Coens read a lot of books, man. Bah, God. God.
3: (laughs) They show, what is it? The never-ending, or what's the journey with the three? Gosh, I can't think of the The
5: never-ending journey. No, it's called The Incredible Journey. The Incredible
3: Journey. The poster.
5: Homeward
6: Bound. Homeward Bound's a remake. Yeah. It's better, and they abuse the animals less. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Mikey, we talked about how
4: Lewin is just a kind of a... Horrific asshole, but understandably why. Was there anything in this movie that kind of made you feel empathy for him outside of not making it in the music biz?
1: Um, well, you brought up the him not knowing where he's going to sleep at night. I can't imagine how awful that would feel, yeah. uh, especially in winter. Uh, he and he made a point to his like manager or something that he didn't even have a coat because he didn't get any advance on his record and. Uh, and he just is struggling to find a house, uh, in the winter and it's like really anxiety inducing for me, at least, uh, I can't imagine what he's going through. Get a job. So staunch.
4: (laughs) The bomb's lost. This is kind of a Stevie (laughs) question,
3: but do you think that from his like song with his partner, he did have some sort of payout at one point, or do you think he's always been starving like his whole career?
4: Well, I think it's just those things where it's like, you know, anytime Lewin takes a step forward, it's always two steps back. Um, and yeah, come together. Abstract. I like, I almost want to see, like, I'm almost happy. We didn't see like Lewin before his friend or partner even took his life. Like I can't like imagine Lewin in a world where he's like happy and friendly and things are going right. Like Lewin existing in this world, like works perfectly for me. And the one thing kinda to get your guys' a good opinion on this, I thought like brought empathy to the character was the fact that he didn't even know like he had a kid and date in Dayton, Ohio. Mm. Like that's Akron. 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 Oh, Akron, my bad.
2: Home of the zips.
4: Akron, Ohio. Home of AA. That storyline actually worked for me for the simple fact that when you have a really kind of grumpy, cynical, shitty character, the directions they can go in are endless. You don't box them in right away. And part of me almost felt like he was going to turn like to Akron. Did you feel that pap? Or do you think he was going to straight shoot
2: it? That's it's funny. Cause there's a, a YouTube video that I, I got pushed to me in my suggested feed a couple of months ago before this movie was even suggested. And it's a, uh, Pretty young interviewer talking to the Cohens, and he said something to that effect like hey did like did you ever consider having Lewin Davis drive off uh take that exit to Akron and it's just kind of like no, so <laughs> <Such a> flatly, <laughs> no like and, I mean then and, and they go on to elaborate they're like it's just not that kind of movie where you know what I mean if lewin Davis would do that, it's just a fundamentally totally different movie like like what you guys have said he's he's always making. The wrong choice and he's kind of always being karmically punished for doing these things and yeah there was like i don't know I, I think at the beginning when i first saw this i thought there might be a chance but when once you see what this movie is in its totality it's just like yeah he's not that kind of guy
3: i did think that was one of the more beautiful shots of yes. the movie passing by on the bypass and kind of this like twinkling city and like the thoughts playing in your mind of him thinking about possibly a small child that's his there it's i don't know that's pretty interesting part of the movie
1: i think it's interesting because that's obviously like a very pivotal scene because everything after that is basically groundhogs dave uh from the beginning of the movie as yeah. we're going to find out so it's like if he had made that choice there maybe he would have he's obviously not going to be in the same situation he was like the past two weeks leading up to this horrible road trip and everything he had a chance to like change his course in life, and he didn't take it.
2: Stevie, what's the balance with like a sad sap character like this versus like him being an asshole? You know what I mean? Like, how do you? I because you clearly feel some empathy for him. I I, I kind of feel like I said it's kind of like karma that everything he has come as coming to him. Like, do you do you see a balance in that? Like that that there, we are supposed to feel bad for him in the context of of this or are we supposed to be like, he's getting what he deserves?
4: Well, I think there's two sides to it. Like you just said, like, I think there's a camp that would say like, Oh my God, I can't imagine like, th- like not knowing I had a kid in the world and like what was like racing through his brain. And there's also people that would be like, you know, not knowing where to sleep at night, starving artists. Like I'm sure there's people listening. I mean, that have seen this movie that were starving artists at one point being like, yeah, it takes an absolute toll on you to go that route. So it's almost heroic in that. In that kind of view, but also, you know, kind of like you and Mikey said, like he's had every opportunity to correct a lot of his wrongs and he just constantly makes the wrong choice. So I think that's kind of one of the cool things that Cohen's did with this movie is he makes him, they make him a really
5: polarizing character. I'd like to know from maybe one of you guys, maybe you, Stevie, like what's a choice he makes in this movie where he should have done the other thing outside of the one we just talked about.
4: Uh, not banged his friend's (laughs) girlfriend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but that's, like, already done in the movie, right? Uh, not scream at a woman just trying to play her instrument and sing in peace. That is a mistake. She's wearing... Hold on, though.
3: Let's go back in time. The thing with Carrie Mulligan, I'll answer the Stevie question. Takes two to tango, bro. I feel like him and her are, like, relate on a different, higher level than he does with most people and that she does with Jim. And I think that it was probably, like, in mourning of Mike that they, like, slipped up. Which makes it even more, like, fucked up that she's, like, so mean to him so often. But Pappy and Stevie, you guys, I feel like you're saying this doesn't romanticize, like, the starving artist. A huge part of this movie, to me, is his, like, odyssey to Chicago where he meets Rex Grossman or whatever Place for him, <laughs> gets rejected and then he like never mentions that to anyone. That's just like a cross that he bears, you know? Because like, it happens to him all the time. He was in the winter Chicago with one wet shoe. Like, how do you not feel bad for this guy? This is a well, Wednesday for this guy. He's
1: been shut <laughs> down <laughs> so many times. Guys. I, I imagine, imagine how true. often he's traveled across country to get <laughs> shut down immediately. <laughs> He just wants to make it, and he. I feel like he just has the absolute worst luck. That's why he's an asshole now. I mean, before the
4: end, I kind of want to get your guys' opinion on this. Whoever jump in. Do you think, like, the Bud Grossman line where he just is like, I don't see any money in this whatsoever. <laughs> you know, like, you're not a front man. Maybe if you, you know, give yourself a goatee and stay out of the sun, maybe you can have a shot somewhere in this business, but you're not going to make it by yourself. When he just kind of looks down and goes, okay, do you guys think that's him like finally quitting on
6: his dreams? I mean, knowing what you know afterwards. Yeah. Kind of. He's just like, well, that was the, his last best shot, I guess. I don't know.
3: (laughs) To me, it was when he like ran out of money kind of. (laughs) like his money dwindling to like a couple like quarters on the tragic dude (laughs) that was kind of like well he's he's run out of time or something
2: i think that's what that particular scene is what makes me think about josh's point earlier where this whole thing is the shadow of his friend's suicide and him like reacting this way right like because i think Rex Grossman says something to the effect of like <laughs> Rex <laughs> uh, Grossman <laughs> like, like yeah you should have my, my advice is you get back together with your partner and he's like mm-hmm. that's good advice as he like bundles up his guitar and it, th- that's where I see like the look of defeat like you know mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do this shit on my own which I'm not going to lie Rex Grossman's not wrong that song no one's listening to that song on an A side of anything I loved it though but <laughs> it's yeah it's song. definitely no, it's a great song but yeah there's literally yeah. no money in it he's not wrong He doesn't sing a
6: happy song at all.
1: No, but his songs are like actually have emotion and personality to it. And everybody succeeding around him is so bland and cookie cutter and he's losing his mind.
5: Yeah, (laughs) that's the point they make is that the people that are popular are actually awful, right? The people that make the money. Uh, we—I mean, there, there's the example of that stupid fucking outer space song. Oh my Please, God. Mr.
1: Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I don't, <laughs> don't want to go. I don't think I've laughed so hard at a random scene in so long. Just that caught me so <laughs> off guard.
5: Like that starts to become a hit by the end.
2: <laughs> my favorite part is when they cut to the producer in the studio. He's just fucking jamming to it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, th- this is a hit. <laughs>
0: Loud and clear, oh please, Mr. Kennedy. Uh oh, I don't wanna go. Don't show your how to space. Oh please, Mr. Kennedy. Uh oh, I don't wanna go. don't show your out of space. I'm six foot two, so perhaps you'll tell me how I'm fit to survive.
4: So obviously we have like Lonely Island of like our generation. Is this like the is that like the Lonely Island song of the '60s? Yeah, I think it's more
6: of a. Uh, God, what's the Dude, word that's they use That's
3: Parodies? the thriller of the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Nick Cannon. It's hilarious. It's
6: hilarious.
4: Novelty
2: song. It reminds me of the, the birds' Hey, Mr. Spaceman. Have you heard that? How's it go, Pap? Sing. Hey, Mr. Spaceman. It actually was featured on Muppets Unplugged, which is playing now in the background. <laughs> Gonzo sings it. Classic. <laughs> That's a right. note.
1: Oh, Gonzo cover, nice.
5: Yeah, <laughs> great album. Muppets unplugged. <laughs> to me, it seemed like it was this like out of fashion kind of like fifties like goofball gimmicky music, you know. Um So I, I, I was surprised that it was like it did turn out to be a hit because I thought that that's going to be the point they were going to make, like oh, no one's into this kind of music anymore. But no, of course it's you know. It's getting around, but no royalties for Lewin, unfortunately. Another <laughs> mistake he made. Did
2: that drive you crazy, Brett? Because when I saw that, that made me think of you for some reason. Like I guarantee, you Brett's losing his mind at this decision <laughs> right now.
6: I wasn't happy. I mean, it's it's a bad decision, but that's kind of how he is. Like he he needs money now, and you know I don't. I guess I don't fault him because as we talked about, he needs a place to stay. He needs a winter coat. Uh, he needs a job. Oh wait, no, it's um. um yeah, it's, it, you know, I, but it's also his personality. Like he's making fun of the song. He thinks it's beneath him. So he doesn't, he can't possibly think that it could succeed. So he's like, well, I'll take my $200 now instead of getting paid $9 over the next year when this thing doesn't sell. But, you know, it's again, it's just kind of another
5: mistake. He makes so... You've been like, no, I need the royalties for this one. This one's gonna... This is gonna be it, man.
6: Well, I should have done what uh, Bobby Boucher's dad said. Take the money, dummy. (laughs) I mean...
5: No Waterboy fans except for
6: Stevie. I laugh. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were on the EFPN.
1: At that time, he's he's still looking for money for the abortion, right? Yes. He doesn't have the freebie punch card from the abortion doctor quite yet.
3: Which it might not even be his, and it might not even be Jim's. It might be Pappy's, or whatever that dude is named. Poppy. Hey now. Poppy, right? Poppy? <laughs> yeah, that was a huge gut punch, right? When it's like, oh, I'm not her special side dude.
2: I, I thought we're led to believe that she hadn't fucked
3: him at that point, because Pappy, Poppy is like,
2: that gene, I'd like to fuck her. And then later on in yeah. the movie he has that yeah. speech where he's like, The guys, they want to fuck Jim. You know what I mean? He goes on <laughs> and on and on for like way too long about it. But but then he then he says that he fucked her. So I think it happened like while he was on his Odyssey. And I and I was wondering, did Gene, Carrie Mulligan, fuck Poppy so he could be on the stage, so
6: Lewin could be on the stage? I think that's kind of what she intimated there. Uh kind of like you were talking about the time. Didn't match up, because when they were... When he was watching the Jim and Jean, the guy said he wanted to bang her or whatever,
3: but... Which is interesting, too, because in that scene, she's like, yes, I asked him specifically if you could play there again. And then he says that he loves her. So that's just like a really... If you think about it from the perspective that she fucked to get him that gig, that is an interesting yeah, combo. Yeah, does it make
6: her a good person? She... I hate God. I hate her so much. Talk about not taking any responsibility for anything.
5: She's a piece of shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the is. way she treats she this guy is so fucked up. Like <laughs> uh, she's an abuser, man. That's 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 what she is. He takes it too. He does. He never says like "shut the fuck up" or like "I'm leaving." He just sits there and takes it. But he like he this shit builds up for him, and then he's gonna blow up on someone the next day. You know, that's just the way he is. Do you think it has something to do with Jim being so nice, like?
6: that that kind of boils up in her and that's why she needs like an outlet to I mean because she's obviously got it in her she's not very nice and she makes it seem like he I won't say rapes her but take advantage of her I,
2: I took it more like she's just like obviously really pretty and very very talented and you know Jim likes her and that's just kind of who she is you know what I mean like she's just kind of She's trying to settle down and yeah. get more of in a relationship and and become more of an adult. She wants to have kids, and Lewin's still kind of stuck in this in his twenties, starving artist loop,
6: right? Uh, she, yeah, but she—I mean, she has sex with at least at least three people during this movie, so she hasn't grown up that much. True, but I, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. That that could definitely be uh, more possible than what I said.
3: Pappy, that whole bit about how the guys come to have sex with Jim is that not like an Insync <laughs> reference like what go on josh he's talking about Justin Timberlake's character from who is famous because of his singing for Insync which I'm is a Lance band Bess,
2: that's, like type is it a Lance best reference i know that? it was
6: more of just saying just he was thought, a, I, he's a pretty guy
3: i just thought insync like made their money off their sex appeal and that was like justin timberlake playing kind of that same character in this movie
2: i don't know if i track with that but like the the, i don't know everyone's met a guy like poppy right who's just like kind of like a little bit out of it and kind of greasy uh scummy older guy who you don't really like like that much but he's in a position of power so you kind of have to (laughs) kiss his ass a little bit and i don't know like even the way lewin's like and he's like, Poppy's like, you know what I mean? They want to fuck Jim. And Lewin's like, you're saying they want to fuck Jim. He's like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, like, it's just ridiculous.
3: Yeah. The 13 year old girls at the NSYNC concert want to have sex with Justin.
2: You're taking it to a weird place, Josh. I don't understand the road you're going down. You're not. Don't take the exit ramp to now It's a now. short the highway, from Chicago to highway. NYC. We need the soundboard. Okay. I need to get the it's soundboard gonna gonna going. <laughs> We haven't talked about John Goodman, heroin addict, John Goodman, at all. Does he overdose in Elkhart, Indiana? Is that his approximate location? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Was
6: it Blacktar?
2: Literally, if you drive from Chicago to New York, you will pass through Elkhart, Indiana. (laughs) Yeah, three hours. You'll
6: pass by the spot where
2: he overdosed. It looks just like Amish country.
3: What re- what restaurant do you think that is? Is it like supposed to be like Steak and Shake or al- the old Alley Oops or any other theories? That's the
1: original Alley Oops. Well, Adam Driver's character was like, "Yeah, stop by my high school in Mishawaka. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Rob, <laughs> need you to pick up some books for me."
3: <laughs> oh, Alley's Diner in Mishawaka. That's what it is. Cacadoodle
6: Cock-a-doodle-doo Cafe.
3: It's Grandma's pancakes. Mmm. Yeah. Corey, he got any? He's clearly <laughs> at Yankee Doodles. Come on. Yankee. Oh, yeah.
5: Roland Turner is uh, John Goodman's character's name. And he's uh, he's with Johnny Five, right? That's the name of his, like, fucking hard-ass, like, fucking yep. strong and silent driver. Also probably his supplier and dealer. But it's funny that he's a freaking beat poet. It's hard to understand what the fuck he was saying, man. Like, you know, he, d- he never talks, and so then he, like... Tells, like, a story, like, two words at a time about something with a poem that he wrote. Or I, don't know. I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. And his poems heavily feature the word fuck
2: for some <laughs> reason. They're very aggressive. Yeah, poem. dude, he's a mumble rapper. <laughs>
4: the original mumble <laughs> rapper.
1: Yeah, I had, to, I had to put on subtitles because I could not understand what he was saying. But it's just, like, uh, disjointed words. doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm sure it means something to someone, but...
3: Oscar Isaac seemed to be, like, with it, almost, like, in a superhuman sort of way. And he was like, really? Why did that happen? Yeah. And it's like, wait, what happened? I didn't I know think anything even happened. he's looking for happened. a conversation with anyone
6: that's not John Goodman's character. <laughs> <laughs> Can we, like, okay, here's a, a Stevie question, but for everybody. John Goodman freezes to death and dies, right? The cat eats his face.
3: For sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By
6: the way, that was a question Stevie asked earlier. A mistake. It's something he should have done differently or somebody. He probably should have taken the cat. I mean, he uprooted this cat from his home, and then he left him there to die. Does he hit the cat later? Is that what we're supposed to I don't to think infer? you're supposed to know, but... I mean, But it's, I th- it's
2: literally supposed to be raising the question of he might have hit the same cat right. that he displaced that, from that, New I mean, York.
6: It's definitely the point of it. Yeah. And then he doesn't go grab the cat again, like... I don't think he wants
5: to be responsible for anything. I mean, I don't know. He's like King Midas's idiot brother. Everything he touches (laughs) turns to shit. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know if it's mine? No, how would I know? So it could be Jim's? Yes, asshole!
6: You don't want it either way, to be clear.
1: To be clear, asshole, you fucking asshole, I want very much to have it if it's Jim's. That's what I want. But since I don't know, you not only fuck things up by fucking me and maybe making me pregnant, but even if it's not yours, I can't know that. So I have to get rid of what might be a perfectly fine baby, a baby I want, because everything you touch turns to shit!
5: Like King Midas's idiot brother.
3: Well, okay.
5: But uh, John Goodman steals the fucking show in this movie, does he not? Yeah, I guess <laughs> You
6: don't like him, Brett? He's, I mean, he's just a, he's a, an, just kind of an annoying dick. I mean, he, he's <laughs> good at, in this movie. I mean, he's good at, every, I mean, I would say, i point out Mikey's Letterbox review, like, uh, Adam Driver's, like, favorite bit part, like, maybe he's ever seen, This is I don't know, I, I don't know, sure, he's John Goodman, I mean. Is he too arrogant for you, Brett? No, God, I mean, I don't know where this came from, I said- like
2: three people are arrogant and I'm, in a apparently... row. Three people in a row. You <laughs> hey
6: guys, I've only called like 97 people
2: arrogant. What's the deal? <laughs> I, so I had the John Goodman line grown man with a cat. I think I have posted this in the thread a few times, but that's been my, my iPad background since I first saw this movie on this like ancient iPad. I like, screenshotted it and saved it right away. Like every day I am a grown man with a cat. I think about being a grown man with a cat. Uh, i don't know like the heroin stuff is pretty interesting right because like, you know, you're wondering why he's such a sleepy kind of out of it dude who somehow clicks and starts rambling what's the n stand for
0: what what's the n stand for lou N. davis lewin lewin L L E W Y N. it's welsh Oh, it would have to be something stupid fucking name like that. You don't look Welsh. My mother was a town. Yeah, this would interest you. Johnny and I were in Seattle playing the high spot. Remember this, Johnny? And I became indisposed after eating a toasted cheese sandwich and found myself purging from every orifice, one of them like a fire hose. I said to the manager, What do you call that thing I just ate? He said, Welsh rarebit. I said, okay, does everything from Wales make you shit yourself or just this piece of toast?
4: What is the point of this, Pap? What is the point of Roland Turner and Johnny Five? Oh. Uh, I mean, is it just a vehicle? Like, is, is it really just to make the trip to Chicago interesting? Or are we supposed to, like, actually learn something from
3: this? So I don't I'm know, only like, getting but, that it's like, oh, sorry, Pap, go for it.
2: Well, I no, you should have covered for me there because I have no idea what to say. I I, didn't, I don't know what the Coens want <laughs> us to think. Like I said, when I'm watching this movie, I'm pretty frustrated with the decisions Lewin Davis is making, and sometimes like disappointed and angry, you know, in, in the des- decisions that the characters making. Then he meets these two guys who seem like even bigger assholes than him <laughs> in kind of a way. You know what I mean? So it's almost kind of showing like. A lower floor to like behavior in this movie so he's not just like the worst person in the whole movie but i, I don't know josh what, did, <laughs> what do you read
3: no i i was just actually gonna point to what mikey said earlier to point out like this is bizarre but maybe the point is this is like the kind of crap he has to go through on a wednesday you know dealing with characters like this because he lives in such a scummy sort of situation or something
5: yeah, I mean, he, he's, he has no choice but to put up with shit like this probably all the time, right? Which is, I think, why he takes, like, the shit talking pretty well, like, a, a lot better than I would. And he doesn't really, like, snap on John Goodman, but he, like, fires back when Goodman talks about his dead uh, partner, right? hmm And if you look at this as, like,
2: you know, if someone's going to say, I'm going to tell a story about Greenwich Village... At the time that Bob Dylan was coming up, like in your head, you are picturing. I said this romanticized version of of these. They're gonna have struggles or whatever, but it's still gonna be pretty, you know, clean to some extent. Like this is like people overdosing on heroin, right? Which is definitely a part of the scene for sure at the time. Drug abuse and alcohol abuse and and everything that goes with that. But it's it's just another way to sort of show into that because John Goodman's an artist too, right? He's like a
3: jazz musician, so it's another
2: side of side of this He's a world. Big
4: jazz cat.
3: I love it when he's judging <laughs> in for his cowboy chords.
5: Yeah. <laughs> like, G-, G-, G, 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 C.
0: <laughs> no masse shots, no coins on cloth. Don't give me rules. You play what you play. Well, you don't. But in jazz, you know, we play all the notes. Twelve notes in a scale, dipshit. Not three chords on a ukulele. G, G, C, G, C, D, G. I think
4: one of the better parts about this movie is, I mean, I hate to bring up Moondog and Harmony Corrine, (laughs) but like I think if you look at this movie from a story perspective, it's really hard to get into. But I think if you look at this movie like it's an album and every hmm. kind of transition between scenes and the scenes we're seeing are like a different song. I think this movie is a lot more fluid in that regard.
2: Do you have a favorite song in the movie, Stevie?
4: Oh, um, <laughs> it's actually my favorite Lewin moment. Cause it shows them how much of a pompous man this is. When, um, the man with no higher function, Carrie Mulligan, Timberlake go to sing, what is it? 500 miles. <laughs> yeah. I love it. When that dude goes, we have someone very special in the audience and I like to bring him up here. And bring my um, you guys know him well. and Lewin shouts out, "I didn't bring my guitar!" <laughs> <laughs> it's the single most arrogant thing you can say. and like he was humbled so quickly. That was my favorite Lewin moment. one of the last questions that Pat, this is directed towards you. You're a big Simon and Garfunkel fan. True. Did a lot of the songs, this movie feel like based directly off a of Simon and Garfunkel song.
2: Uh, yeah. I got, I, mean, a, I got a,
4: those vibes from a lot of these songs.
2: Yeah. I mean, anytime you hear like something that's set up to be a two part male harmony acoustic. And, yeah. Yeah. Folk song. You get some Simon and Garfunkel vibes. I spe- speaking of the very ending, of the movie you know it's just kind of sad too that he has sort of his epic performance like fair fairly well or whatever whatever the song is and then bob dylan <laughs> the legendary comes up and sings a song that also has the word like farewell in it. you know what i mean and you know no one's going to remember lewin davis's performance after seeing like bob fucking dylan and you know that's like when the times picked him up and everything it's just like this last little sad sap moment that he has the best performance in his life and he's opening basically for bob fucking dylan it's like poor guy
3: Yeah, and if Lewin Davis hadn't been getting his ass kicked in the alley, he'd probably be, like, in there talking shit about Bob Dylan, too. (laughs) (laughs) And then
1: getting his ass kicked. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but it just made me think about, like, well, that's show business, baby. You could just not get the break, and Bob Dylan really does come on right after you, and nobody remembers your performance. It's just all chance trying to make it big. I thought it was, like, pretty fitting end to, to his story.
3: Do you guys like it better or worse than when John Lennon is in Forrest Gump?
6: No religion, too? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going
2: to go better on that. This is better than that scene in Forrest Gump.
4: So how do you guys interpret the ending, then? Is this, like, pretty much the window, like, the door is closed on Lewin for good? Or do you think, like, there's any sort of hope that, like... He may find his day
6: in the sun at some point. Uh, uh, I think he thinks it's over. I think that's the whole point of the au revoir at the end. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. He, he'd he probably get a big gig and figure out a way to screw it up.
5: <laughs> I think we're led to believe he's not escaping this lifestyle, right? Correct. And that's that's a, p- yeah. I, I agree, mean, That's probably why it opens and closes that way, Right. Like I mean, loop. at the beginning, when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, he's this guy's playing in front of a decent crowd. He's a semi-successful musician, maybe just locally. And then when he goes outside and he gets his ass kicked, you know, mm-hmm. they don't explain a whole lot in that scene. So I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's like in some crazy shit, right? Like what's going to be um, the story behind this? And it's not a big story behind it, really. He just yelled at someone and he got his ass kicked for it. And this is just his day-to-day. Like it's um that crowd was there for dylan and <laughs> he just happened <laughs> to be the opener
2: yeah i got that i got the exact opposite interpretation brett of the au revoir because he's saying that to so the the guy who kicks his ass is the husband of the woman from arkansas who who, who lewin davis harassed the previous night and one of the last things this i mean the second to last line of the movie is the husband saying that he's getting out of new york he hates the cesspool and Lou Davis is like you know, au revoir, like see ya. Uh, like he he's choosing yeah, yeah, yeah. to stay in the lifestyle. He the, the whole point of the movie is the grind that these people are living in. Yeah. Lou and Davis is living in like makes the wrong this decision. woman can't hack it. Yeah. yeah. Well,
3: well to true. Boo, when he's making fun of that woman, I feel like a a big thing is like he only looks at people like how authentic are they being? Like, oh look at this army guy singing like these mm-hmm. sad love songs, and like no one's authentic. I'm the only one who's authentic. Then he sees this, like, woman who's actually from Oklahoma or whatever. So sad. Playing her zippy zither or whatever the hell that little instrument is. She's just having fun. She's vibing. I felt, man, I felt so <laughs> bad for her. my like, gosh. That was such a shitty move on his part. That's where he should have been, like, trying to learn something from that performance. And, and he's just, he just ripped on the four Irish guys. He still probably has a wet sock from earlier that day, to be <laughs> fair, though. Like, yeah. that's rough.
4: Just squishing about in the gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, a slur towards Irish people. <laughs> what would have been a great fallback joke is if like, he walked to stage and Bob Dylan walking up to the stage after him slips from the water squeegeeing out of his
3: sock. That's like the end of Bob Dylan
5: and the beginning of Lou and David. Falling
2: down.
1: Falling down. Ooh, I slipped ooh. on a banana peel.
2: How does it feel? How does it feel? <laughs> I'm like a Rolling Stone. <laughs> you guys like Bob Dylan? What's the pod's thoughts on Bob Dylan? Love okay. Bob Dylan. Stevie loves. Yeah, he's cool. I
6: became uh, I, I finally got it when I. I mean, I listened to a lot of Bob Dylan albums over last year. I like his really early stuff. It's really really good. I didn't like the '90s and 2000 stuff, but no one he does, sounds. Bro. He sounds like a freaking <laughs> yeah. demon. No one, no one likes that Dylan. <laughs> he sounds. He's way too Leonard Cohen towards the end of his life. It's. It's pretty bad, but uh,
1: I haven't listened to a lot of it. But I don't hate what I've listened to. I mean, I would probably agree that his earlier stuff is much more uh, pleasant to listen to
3: or better to listen to than his newer stuff for sure. He's got like a Nobel Peace Prize or something. No, he got the Nobel writings. Prize
6: for Literature a couple years ago. Not a Peace Prize.
3: <clears throat> well, my bad. So he got the Nobel Writing. <laughs> prize which is kind of like indicative like i think his music is kind of like boring but like if you dig into his lyrics there's it's a lot of like stuff there so hard to take that away from him at least
2: and he's not like known for being you know the nicest most forthcoming like (laughs) warm person so literally the difference between lewin davis and bob dylan is the set time and uh, about twenty thousand metric tons of talent, and <laughs> that's the only <laughs> real difference between the two. Pap, you like Dylan? Oh yeah, I think. Uh, hey, Mister Tambourine Man, that might be in like my top three songs
6: of like any song. I literally just told someone like four or five months ago. I said that might be the greatest song ever written. I mean.
2: It's so and, good. Take me yeah, disappearing and, through the smoke rings of my mind down the shadow ruins of time. Like yeah, singing about like escapism and art and everything. Like, and I fuck the birds version of that. The Dylan
5: version is the only good one.
6: I, when I, I was gonna say, when I was, a, when I was a kid, I liked the birds version a lot more. Now it's like, oh my God, it's not even on the same planet.
5: I think that's the case for like almost all the Bob Dylan covers, except for the Jimi Hendrix one.
6: Yeah, "All Along the Watchtower" by Jimi Hendrix is way better. I'm sorry, and so is uh, "To Make Me Feel My Love." "Make You Feel My Love" by Garth Brooks is better.
5: Mm. All right, let's not get crazy.
6: <laughs> and then we're talking Guns N' Roses here. Is that what you didn't want? Steady. right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> stay on target. <laughs> this
4: always happens with my pods. Last thing: Have you guys seen the Bob Dylan movie? I'm not there.
6: No. no, it's weird, right, with a bunch of different people it's playing it. It's not
4: in. for everybody, but I think it's a damn good movie.
5: Just pick it. I'd love to see it. I I was really hesitant on that cuz I heard really bad reviews and at the time I was like into Dylan a lot, so I skipped it.
4: I think if you're like a Dylan fan, you would love it. I think if you're a movie fan, you would love it. I mean, between like Cate Blanchett plays the best Dylan And to see, like, a young Christian, like, see Christian Bale play a really young Dylan and Heath Ledger play Dylan and also, like, Richard Gere plays Dylan, it's really neat. I think uh, any Bob Dylan fan would really like it. Uh, Before we get into Yes or No, do you guys have anything else to add about Inside Lewin Davis?
1: Uh, I was just going to ask you guys, like, do you think this movie has, like, some sort of – Josh, what was your movie, your Coen Bros movie?
3: What do you mean? What was mine?
1: <laughs> the you yeah, had the last one. You did. a serious yeah, man. Yeah, a serious man. Do you think it almost felt like with that ending that it like oh, is there some sort of like metaphysical type deal? Because he's just doing a loop again, and he's he mm-hmm. didn't even realize it until like the last. I don't even think he ever realized it because he's doing the exact same shit. But I don't know. It just feels like oh, there's also the implication of like a metaphysical thing here. I don't know why they. Is that a theme with them? Do they always do that? Who's the guy
4: that pushed the, uh, whose punishment was to push the rock up the hill? Sisyphus. Yeah, he's just Sisyphus.
2: Musical Sisyphus.
4: Musical Sisyphus.
2: Caught a bad cage of Sisyphus. (laughs) Okay, so
3: (laughs) if that's true, what was Sisyphus's, uh, like, reason for being punished like what why did he oh, have man, to I cannot do remember. It? I did it with do the
4: humans
6: I thought well i mean you could also you could also say uh prometheus uh he was tied to a hill and had his liver pecked out by a harpy yeah it was like more a bird like every day and he stole fire and then you know i mean I, I, there all the titans and stuff you could all say they oh it's cuz he cheated thing.
4: death twice that's why did. Yeah, Sisyphus cheated death twice. He was, like, really cunning, uh, and he cheated death, and his punishment for, like, forever time was pushing that boulder up the hill just to have it roll back down again to do the same thing over and over again for an absolute loop through eternity.
3: Sisyphus was also the, like, he ran the Festival of Athletic and Musical competitions, so there's, like, that music part of that. Huh. Oh,
2: yeah. I guess three final notes. One, I don't think there's any direct Sisyphus references in this movie. I think this is all been Stevie conjecture. Stevie cracked the code. That's on our it. part. Two, uh, L- Mrs. Gorfine so yelling, "Where's its scrotum, Lewin? Where's it <laughs> Where <is the> <laughs> its scrotum?" This is hilarious. And three, uh, there are two uh, girls alumni. Weird it, that Ray is in this. Did you notice that, Stevie? Ray is the uh, Marty Green. The what's his name's? Uh, Mr. Gorefiend's, like, assistant or a friend guy who's over for dinner.
6: Really? You didn't really? notice that? Yeah, it's no. You're joking. You're kidding me, right? No. Yeah, it was pretty funny.
5: I mean, if we're going quotes, um, I, I also like that scrotum one quite a lot. But uh, when he says, I'm not current, is that a nautical term? <laughs> like, that just really struck me, man. That was good.
2: Oh, also, when he was talking to that guy, and he's like, he won't let him uh, on the boat. He's like, why? Because I'm communist. And he goes, <laughs> the, the guy behind the guy goes, Shotmanite? And, and Davis goes, what? And he goes, no, that's not the
6: reason why. like,
2: the <laughs> was, was
6: he supposed to say, that was he like intimating that he was a secret communist or something?
2: Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I think Shotmanite <laughs> was a disciple of Trotsky or something. <laughs> Sh- Shotmanite? Shotmanite? <laughs>
5: What about the scene with Lewin and his dad? I, I mean,
4: love that scene.
5: Mm-hmm. Right? Does he pee
1: himself or crap himself?
5: shit himself. himself. Okay. I think that's where he
1: decides, like, yeah, I'm done with music.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be, like, a sweet moment. Like, I thought he was going to, like, you know, he was digging it whatever. And you find out he's just literally just crap in his pants. That's why he looks like he's in heaven.
5: Right. I love that misdirect. Like, he's, he's getting through to his dad. He's, like, not all there. He just, like, sits there. I don't know, whatever he has, but you know, he's clearly like doesn't have his mental wits about him. And the song that Lewin plays is like really nice and it's beautifully done, and then he just shits himself and like that's it. Like
6: <laughs> That's Mikey, how many times that happened on your road trips?
5: Uh you just let it go.
1: We're we're at a one hundred percent uh success rate <laughs> <laughs> on every road trip. So far.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, so far.
4: Okay, let's uh get into <laughs> yes or no's. Um, I will start this time. I think it's the first time I've ever started on a trivia, uh, yes or no. Before, um, I will give this a hard yes. It's not the most pleasing movie to watch, uh, but that is a story it's trying to tell. I think it's acted beautifully. I think it's written amazingly. Uh, I love the dialogue, and I just, kind of guys brought up. It doesn't necessarily romanticize the starving artist. It's like, no, like this is in the shit. Here's what's happening. And here's how bad it can really get. And even though Lewin Davis was a severely unlikable character, there were times where I just had to empathize with him. Uh, not my favorite Coen brother movie, probably not even my top five Coen brother movie, but it's still really enjoyable. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Uh, I think it's a very small quadrant. Uh, if you threw a dartboard, that would enjoy this. I think it's a rather small target to hit, but I will give this a hard yes.
5: Yeah, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. This is a definite yes for me. Good movie. And uh, thank you for the suggestion. That was Matt, right? Thank you, Matt. Yes. Matt, yep. Not Matt Troll. The other Matt.
4: The other Matt. Yes. They're brothers. Right. Thank you,
5: Matt. Uh, this was my first time Matt watching that. not it. Troll! <laughs> and I liked it a lot. Uh, the cynicism... Just speaks to me, man. And I know you guys are saying that Lewin's like a piece of shit or whatever. He makes all the wrong decisions. I don't know. I <laughs> I, can't, I find Is him kind of the right ones. <laughs> Look, I find him kind of relatable, and I understand <laughs> the decisions he makes most of the time. Like he's in a position, he's dug himself so deep. Like in a, a lot of cases, he really has nowhere to go, and he does the only option available to him at the time. I think. Um But outside of that, I just think it's uh it's clever it's a nice uh, look into what it's like for this kind of lifestyle it's it's a good movie uh, some really cool editing tricks in there here and there that I liked as well but yeah I liked it
6: Papples
2: Papp Pappy Pian oh dear I, I've been on mute for a while sorry about that I've been like talking and saying shit and getting frustrated <laughs> that you guys are listening to me <laughs> My bad. This is Pappy from Louisville, Colorado. Off mute now. Um, yeah, I I love everything that the Coens do. Basically, um, this one it's interesting, Matt, that you mentioned that you watch in this. You watch this so many times in short succession. I kind of think about this like, you know, you go to an art museum, right, and you see a painting that might not be one that you'd hang in your living room, but you can say that it's really beautiful, and it's like it. Like, fits well together and makes sense, like, artistically. Like, it might be like a, a scary painting of, like, you know, Sisyphus getting his liver eaten by a bird or whatever Greek mythology we were talking about earlier. Prometheus being his liver eaten by a bird. But I kind of feel the same way about Lewin Davis. It's not one that I could watch every day. It's, I, I think it is kind of depressing. I do think Lewin's a big asshole, but I think it's perfectly told. And it's the kind of movie that you can only make when you're in a position of power. In Hollywood, right? Like this could inside Lou and Davis could never be someone's first movie in Hollywood because it's it's not going to make a ton of money. It's really probably not going to win Best Picture, and it's a very specific type of painting that they're painting. But man, I fucking love movies about the music industry. I love the music in this fairly well. It's like a banger to me. I listen to it all the time. Not as good as Hey Mr. Kennedy uh, or Please Mr. Kennedy or whatever, but funny oh, in the right bro. places. I like it. Hard, hard yes for me. So you don't see a lot of money in this?
3: I I don't see
2: any money in this. Unless he, maybe a trio, sell it in a trio of movies with two girls and a guy or whatever he says, but no.
3: Josh from Goshen, I do feel like this is basically that scene where he plays the guitar and it's like a beautiful song and this old white dude is like not a lot of money in It's kind of the just quintessential thing that artist's face as a whole it's kind of absurdist like it comes down to like one dude's opinion judging all of your talents and brain abilities put together um i think it's all this movie is like one of those where i feel like you know the whole thing with the cat and the symbolism that maybe i didn't pick up on and on everything in the first viewing but it's coen brothers movie and like in a serious man kind of the point is Nothing means anything, and I don't know if there is much of like a rabbit hole to go down, or if, I don't know. Sometimes you can get kind of chopped; like it's not worth it to go down that rabbit hole. I don't know for this one if it is yet or not. Um, ultimately, I'm glad there was no wood chipper scene in this Coen Brothers movie. I was kind of like expecting it, and I thought there was going to be some like outburst of violence at some point. But the most painful thing we really get is that like wet sock in the winter snow in Chicago. And if you've ever been in Chicago in the winter, man, it is freezing and miserable. So I feel that. This is a big yes for me. Thanks for Thanks for picking this movie, Matt. I always like to pick up another Cohen Brothers movie. First time watcher.
1: Uh Mikey from Goshen uh yeah a wet sock is a zero out of ten experience um it's violent this was my (laughs) first time watching this movie as well uh i think in my letterbox review i said i had seen the trailer and i didn't like it a lot and i watched it again today that trailer and i still did not like how they marketed the movie because it made it seem kind of like a (laughs) hipster kind of like rom-com-y sort of situation and I just didn't want to see that at the time and uh it's just totally not like that at all all of the jokes are edited out of the trailer so you have no idea about the the type of sense of humor that this movie has and it's just really dark and really funny and I liked it a lot I thought the music was great too and even when it was just weird uh twangy folk songs I was like laughing a lot at like just how good the musicianship was but like the lack of personality behind some of those songs that just the bland people were were singing <laughs> <laughs> and then Lewin's all of Lewin's music was just amazing uh he has such great songs and it was a great soundtrack um I like this movie a lot I think uh I just don't like how the Cohens market their movies because I always end up catching them like 10 years later and liking them a lot so <laughs> I give it a hard yes
6: all right. Uh, yeah, I'll give this a soft yes. Um, I don't get into – I don't love the Coen brothers like as much as everyone else. I think everything they do is like drab and, you know, they, it's okay to make happy movies every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I was telling happy. I probably only truly love one Coen brothers movie I've seen. That's Big Lebowski. The rest of them are all just been – Varying degrees of okay to good. Uh, I mean, Oh Brother, We're Out There is good. That's actually a fun one with a mildly happy ending. So, uh soundtrack was awesome. uh Acting was good. It's just, I mean, it it is what it is. I mean, it was middle of the road Coen's for me, but, you know, still enjoy it. I probably never watch it again, but I will probably listen to the soundtrack pretty soon. Very well.
4: Thank you, Brett. It's very uplifting for the end one, Um, much like this movie. So we're gonna do some trivia. Uh, This is closest to, and winner gets to take us out and also tell the people what we have coming down the pipeline. Sound good? A win and a burden with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) Great responsibility. So. Lewin Davis signed away all of his royalties that he would have gotten from Please Mr. Kennedy. I can't. Even, I mean, maybe it would have been a ton. Who knows? But uh, since Bob Dylan was at the end of this movie and he's highly influential, I think on the uh, on the folk music scene to begin with, I'm asking you guys closest to how much in royalties does Bob Dylan get a year from Holy his music?
6: Crap.
2: Okay.
4: And here's the order. It's gonna go: Josh, Mikey, Brett, Pappy, Corey. This is in U.S. doll hairs.
3: To the nearest what? Doll hair. Doll hair. Yeah, but like ten or thousand or just if you're closest, you're closest. I was just trying to get some sort of hint out of you, Stevie.
2: Nope. Oh. To the nearest ten million. (laughs)
3: I'll guess he gets uh, 20 million
4: 20 million for George Mikey
3: Mm, I'll say 10
4: 10 million 10 millions
6: bruh I always say way too high so I'll go low I got a number in my brain I'll say 3.4 million 3.4 mils happy okay bear with
2: me here i'm gonna bet on the fact that he sold the rights to his catalog so i'm gonna say bob <laughs> dylan makes zero a <laughs> Zero doll hairs he sold the rights maybe hopefully why okay. okay. would he do that he's old cash out Corey. uh f-
4: three million three millions oh my god boys You are in for such a treat. Let's go. So the official retail number... Josh is going to be so angry. (laughs) The official retail number is $15 million a year. So we have a tie, boys.
2: Oh, wow. Five mil in each direction.
3: (sighs) Overtime! If you would have given us a nearest...
2: I'm looking at an article from the New York Times that said he sold his catalog in December, but... You get this, art,
4: this article is from February, Pap. It says 15
2: mils. I, I know. I, I'm slinking off to the shadows of the losers. It's so. probably
4: like 15 point something. Anyway, anywho, who's ready for some subjective trivia?
3: Oh. Oh, no.
4: <laughs> what a special episode we have. So we're going to go Josh, then Mikey. Give me oh your best, God. Bob. Give me your best Bob Dylan impression. Times are changing. Is that it? Do vision. I mean, Mikey, you can sneeze and probably win. Josh, is that it?
3: Had kind a of baseline laid down. Let's it's, go. It's for
4: the patriot. It's for the Josh, Sounded like on. a
3: Catholic priest
2: singing Bob Dylan. The t- times they are a <laughs> changin'. Times
6: they are a changin'. <laughs> oh, oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. the times they are
1: a changin'. <laughs>
6: there
4: we go. That's a winner. Was that Mikey? Yeah,
6: it was Bob. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Is Bob on the phone? Josh, do you even want to try it, or are you too proud to even give it a shot? used to be known for my Bob Dylan couch, but I think I
3: lost it.
1: You have to pretend that you're taking a poop. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what? I'm not going to. It all comes full circle for Mikey. Got to let <laughs> him have it.
4: <laughs> Mikey, you are the winner before I let you take us out. Brett,
6: I need to hear your Dylan. Oh, no. Uh, no, it's too. Come no, on. I can't. I can't. Come I on, Brett. Give us the velvety pipes. There's a choice we make in. Eh? We're saving that. That's it. That's all I got. That was from We Are The World, so mid-80s pop. Yeah. I like that. Well, Mikey, please take us out.
1: Uh, it was Matt, right? Matt chose us? Yes. Thanks again, Matt, for uh, your Patreon pick. Recommend us to your uh, friends and family. Let's get us those, those views. Uh, let's pump those numbers up. Um. Thanks again for the movie pick. I, I liked it a lot. I think a lot of us here liked it a lot. And uh, take it away, spoiler man. you reading
0: me loud and clear, Roll please, Mr. Kennedy? Uh oh. I go so Special thank you to our patrons Matt Troll. I'm certainly not a man of comfort. Brother Brian. Make yourself at home. Druid King. I don't know, because I'm a communist. Shockmanite? What? No, ain't that. Nick. Oh, goddammit, I am one lucky bastard. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilerspodcast. That was spoilers.